So welcome along to this, what is a book outline. So if you're listening to the Audio Bible in a Year, which is the download, and hopefully that's what you're doing, as we go through that, there are the readings of the Bible, essentially, which are, are the weekly readings, and those essentially are simply the readings. Uh, I don't add anything to them, I don't put any little comments, or I don't put any little thoughts at the end of it, or anything like that, because I just want that to be the the reading of God's Word. And so that's what we do, we run through that in Bible a year, and so you'll have your weekly downloads for that, and all the lovely bits for that, which does jump about a little bit, and I know a number of you always like to know which version we're using, and so we're using the, I'll need to get it, hold on a second, the Christian Standard Bible, the Holman Christian Standard Bible. If you go on Amazon and search for Cover to Cover Complete, through the Bibles that happen, Selwyn Hughes and J- Trevor J. Partridge, if you search for any of those, you'll generally find it, it's a kind of orangey coloured, so... That's the Bible that it was read from, uh, and which I read, and which I continue to read. I haven't given up. I still read through the Bible each and every year using one of those Bibles. I don't listen to it, so if you're listening to it, brilliant, I commend you, wonderful. I read through it, and in that it gives you a little um, thought at the end of them, but some of them are a little bit, yeah, some of them are just a bit, kind of, you wonder have they just added it in afterwards, because they felt they've had had to add in a thought, so I don't do that anyway. So we have that, which is each week. Then we have our recap, which is the end of every fortnight, which terrible downloads compared to the rest. So I'll encourage you to go and listen to some of those recaps. What I try to do with those is, if you have a question over the two weeks, or if you have passages that are a little bit strange, or you have, yeah, want to know a little bit more, that's the point of the recaps. So send in a question, jwfraser at presbyterianireland.org. Many of you have got in contact already, not with questions, but just to kind of say hello and tell me you're starting, so hello to you all. Um, but if you have any questions or anything, send those through to me, and that's the point of the recaps, so the recaps can keep adding up. I don't re-record it every year. It's the same recording I did about five, six years ago now, so I upload them every year, but the, the purpose of the recaps and the purpose of what I'm doing now is to add another layer to that. Uh, so the recaps are questions, thoughts that you might have, and we explore those a little bit. Um, downloads are terrible, so listen along. They are, I, I, I enjoy doing them. So hopefully you enjoy listening to them. What I'm going to do with this, and what I'm going to try to do through 2023, which is the first year of this, not 2023 if you're listening to this, because this will be uploaded as well, is a little bit of a kind of book outline. At the bottom of the, the cover-to-cover Bible, which read through and this was read from, we get various timelines, we get various little bits about certain books, um, we get little like kind of diagrams and things every now and again, and it's always helpful just to know a little bit about what you're reading or listening to. And so, the book of Job. This is a little bit from the the bottom of that. Just tells you that it's the eighteenth book in the Old Testament, the first book of poetry and wisdom. There's various main characters, special features, discussion about undeserved suffering. We'll think about that in a minute. At the end, does that Jesus and the book? So. The kind of how does this reflect into Jesus and Job looking to Jesus as his redeemer in Job 19.25. Um, some teaching in it and then a verse to remember. And their verse to remember and this might be a good one. But I know my living redeemer and he will stand in the dust at last. Prophesying towards Jesus obviously. So what I'm going to do is try and give a little bit more of an outline or some other thoughts about the book of Job. Granted if you're listening to this in 2023... We've already gone through the book of Job, so please be patient with me because there will be times 
where I'll not catch up overly well. And so there are times when, yeah, we'll maybe be halfway through the book when I let you know that it's been uploaded. Um, So, yeah, apologies for that. If you're listening beyond 2023, you don't have to worry about that. So let's think about Job for a minute. Probably the most, well, one of the well-known characters in the Bible, because we all talk about the patience of Job. Again, one of those characters that's used in common language. But one of the weirdest books, in my own personal opinion, in the Bible. You know, I can understand the Genesis, the Leviticus, I can understand Kings, I can understand the Prophets and all those things. I can understand the Psalms, and the Psalms actually is a great, can, that's brilliant in this version of the Bible, so stick with me, you'll enjoy that. Um, I can understand the Gospels and the New Testament, but like Job, it's just a bit weird, and Song of Solomon, maybe another one. Just a bit weird. Just don't feel like they fit in very well in the middle 18th book of the Bible. You're not really expecting a book like this. I mean, we get we get the history of Israel. We get a lot about the writings from some of those kings in Israel. We get laments from the people of Israel. We get the prophets. We get the story of Jesus. We get the writings of these. And then you've got Job, which is just a kind of weird little bit in the middle of the Old Testament because it's just a strange setting it's a strange discourse it's a strange nice little story in the way that it ends and that's kind of it there's no real sense at which there's a this is I'm going through so I use the ESV study bible and also an interpreter's bible there are other commentaries Google, all kinds of wonderful things that you can do your own studying and we'll not get into the depths because I'm trying to keep this to 10 minutes or so. Um, but there's no real author to it. We're not told who the author is. There's various suggestions because at the start of it we get some hints and we get some ideas by some of the writing and so we get clues to the way through as to the way in which this person must have lived because of their, of their knowledge and their wisdom on certain subjects. We know they might have been well-travelled, they might have lived around certain times, but all that is guesswork. Essentially, it's by reading between the lines. Um, and just to tell you a little bit more about that, so using the ESV, the author of Job was a well-travelled individual who could draw on a wealth of knowledge and experience. He knew the constellations, could discuss meteorology, or describe a sophisticated mining operation. There you go, chapter 28, look out for that. He would refer to skills of papyrus, skiffs of papyrus, reed playing the waters or the plants that grew in marshes. He had observed ostriches, eagles, mountain goats, hippopotamus, crocodiles and warhorses. As if true of all the wise, he made extensive use of nature to defend these moral truths. So someone who's well-travelled, someone who wasn't just confined to their tribe in the middle of the, the ancient Near East at this time uh, and so well travelled so that's really all we know about them they're not named, they're not described and then they set forth these scenes so we have a scene at the start like a courtroom scene with God and the accuser we have that which comes back at the, the end in the story and then all in the middle are these discourses there are various um, theologians, writers who say that it's actually not a single author there were many authors because it's quite disjointed. We have 
these different versions of poetry. We have this strange scene at the start which cuts to Job in a strange way that you wouldn't write together. Then we have this fourth friend who appears out of nowhere, says his little bit and appear, disappears at the end and isn't mentioned again. Uh, so there are some who believe it's a separate author that these books have been put together uh, in at a later stage to try and piece it together to make sense. And it's stuck in the middle there. And hold that thought because I'll just talk about it, about a couple of the themes. In fact, no, let me talk about that now. So using the interpreter's Bible, one of the things they talked about um, in that was international folklore, which is quite interesting in itself. If any of you have studied or know of any international folklore, and essentially what they mean by this is the fact that at times there are these myths that are created, at times there are these ways which the world works where we have these stories especially kind of oral stories handed down and passed on through the generations to try and describe or to try and uh, put into words something that's happening so they say in this idea um, there are other stories around about righteous people who suffer about being tested by rival deities or divine beings so this wasn't just a single story this was a story, a, a kind of biblical Christian viewpoint story, as and against other stories of a similar nature about different deities and different divine beings. One of the example they use is, uh, they describe this as a, the international folklore of the ancient East. The story of Horascandra. So Google that, H-A-R-I-S. C-A-N-D-R-A, which appears in India in many forms. According to one of these variant tales, the god and goddesses, goddesses, goddesses were assembled with the seven menus in the heaven of Indra. And there's all these questions about who is uh, who could be found without stain or blemish. And it goes on. And so what essentially the Interpreter's Bible is trying to say is that this was part of a story that was told at the time. And a story that would be told about a particular people to try and answer that question of who would be without stain or blemish or who could, what righteous person could stand in the midst of being tested by a, a divine deity. So it might be the fact that this story doesn't need to make sense in and of itself, but actually we are better to place it against the story of Israel and see if the person of Israel or the person of Job stands up with the people of Israel in the same way when they're being tested, when they are being scattered, when they have things that are going wrong in the midst of them. They're asking all these questions that they do. And so is this book of poetry meant to allude to the people of Israel who are being tested by this divine God who doesn't seem to answer them? So rather than trying to understand it simply as a English literature exercise, maybe that's the way we should look at it. I'll leave that to you. But it does cover those themes. It concerns itself with the question of faith in a sovereign God. Can God be trusted? Because of this scene at the start, can God be trusted? Is God, excuse me, is God overall and above all? Does God author these situations to happen? And if so, why? So ask these questions of faith in a sovereign God in the midst of suffering can God be trusted? And then also, also, is it better just not to believe at all? Is it better just to stand outside the darkness? 
is it good simply to lack insight or lack hope? Is it just better, uh, as one person, the Greeks put it, not to meditate? Because there lies the good life. The kind of ignorance is the good life. And the Interpreter's Bible says that the poet of Job resolutely faced the dark riddle of existence, looked beyond the wisdom of men and sought the wisdom of God. Again, this poet of Job resolutely faced the dark riddle of existence, faced these questions and looked beyond the wisdom of men and sought the wisdom of God. Essentially, Job was able to stand. He didn't have to shy away. He didn't have to uh, come up with nice answers. He was able to face that riddle of existence. And it's strange because I find it, as I listen to it, as I read through it, it's very difficult to understand and, and keep up with all the arguments. I find it I find it very difficult not to get sucked into the arguments because at times the friends seem like they're saying the right things. And then when God comes, he refutes all of them and Job has to offer sacrifices for them because they've been so wrong and Job, Job has been right. And so it's a very confusing book. But maybe it's the fact that Job stands resolutely and face, faces the dark riddle of existence. Um, I wrote a book a number of years ago. Um, it's called Remember How It Goes. I'm happy to point you towards a copy or send you a copy if indeed. I talked about Job. Not that uh, it's uh, to, to debate the, the matters within it. But as I say, to see what Job does. Um, there's this dialogue, there's a kind of story and an outline and essentially I say it's not so much that we have to work out exactly what is being said uh, it's not exactly, what, you know, we don't need to know every little part of it but actually to, to realise that it's okay to ask these questions even when God comes back it's okay for us to ask these questions doesn't mean, this is a quote, that we have to sit silently while things fall apart in our lives and despair sets in. That, in fact, is the most dangerous thing to do. The ending to Job reminds us to keep note of who is really in charge of what our true position is, of our true dependence on God for all things, and we too should keep hold of the phrase that God gives and he takes away. The humble attitude that Job shows is amazing and a stark contrast to the attitude of Israel, uh, and try and place it back in the story of Israel. So Job wins. Job gets everything back at the end. Sorry, plot spoiler if you haven't read it before. He gets there and he wins. Uh, and that's because he, as he is tried to comfort by these friends, he ends up declaring them miserable comforters who would comfort him with nothing, empty nothings, with their simplified orthodoxy based on a misreading of the wisdom tradition to the effect that all troubles are punishments for wrongdoing. Their comfort consists largely of applying this message to Job, urging him to identify his sin and repent of it. In so doing, these friends serve as a mirror for all readers who might be inclined to say similar things to people in distress. That's the wrong bit I've read. Also, though, that, that was good. We'll keep that as well. Um, also, the author does not provide a, provide a theodicy in the sense of defending the justice of God Job's friends serve as a foil to that end. Their wisdom is a human effort to resolve this dilemma, but as far as the author is concerned, these efforts fail. God declares that the friends are in the wrong. 
the author is concerned about the triumph of faith in a time of suffering. To this end, his hero succeeds. Job can triumphantly declare, I know that my Redeemer lives. Job's resolve to love and trust the one who seems to attack him as an enemy is evident throughout. Job wins. That's a little bit about the book of Job and hopefully it gives you a sense of what you are reading, have read, will read and hopefully it gives you a sense of where you'll go in the midst of it and some of those questions, some of those answers to keep or thoughts to keep in your mind as you do so. Let me know how you found this. I'm going to put up a Genesis one as well because we're going straight back into Genesis and your feedback is very welcome to help me try and hone and change and alter and better what we're doing through the audio Bible in a year. Share it around, let me know and grace and peace.